Lewis, a dramatic Monaco Grand Prix, but he just couldn't take victory from Nico Rosberg. No man, in it. He did say after qualifying that you deal with this like Senna. Yeah. But you fail to overtake your teammate and gradually drop back from him until you are under threat from the person behind you. Yeah, well, I meant Bruno Senna. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm the man in the middle called Gareth. To my left is the man called Zon. Hello. And to my right is the man called Richard. Hello. And we'll do the rest of the show in that tone because that's just a bit weird. How long have you been car fans, boys? Do you remember when did you get into cars? What age were you, Zon? I guess I must have been sort of six or seven, probably that kind of age. You start with dinky toys, corgi toys, all that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah little toy cars and yeah. scale extra. Richard, same for you, would you say? I can't remember not liking cars. Yeah. Apparently, I used to sit in my car seat in the back of my mum's Mini and then her Vauxhall Chevette oh. and say, look, there's a, I don't know, Ford Escort. Oh. And she'd say, I don't think it is a Ford Escort. I think it might be a Cortina. And I'd go, no, Escort. <laughs> and then she'd right. realise it was an Escort. <laughs> and she'd like, oh, <laughs> you knew for years. Yeah. And that's Richard. just never stopped at being an irritating smart ass. I've got a film clip, a standard eight, not even super eight, standard eight of me sitting alongside my mother in her Hillman Imp. They used to stick me in the car about two hours before man would go out. They'd put me in the car and I'd sit there in my baby seat with my own driving wheel, pretending I was driving. So like you, Richard, right from the word dot, I was interested in cars. But I always remember when I really got interested in the motor industry and not just cars themselves but the industry mm. and I think that was when I was working in a lab in Battersea in 1981 I started reading Car and Driver and Road and Track and those American magazines mm. and they report on the industry in the way that only Car Magazine reported on it here in the UK and that became my real passion but it's an alien world the car industry isn't it we are far removed from it we think we understand because we care about the end product but we know very little about the politics and the mechanism that makes that happen. But when you get news about some of the biggest car manufacturers on the planet changing direction, it makes you sit up and think, what the, the hell is this going on there? For instance, when Renault announced oh, we were basically going to make electric cars from now on, that was a shocker to us all. And the recent revelation that Alfa Romeo have made up a new plan for the future... For the, what, the third time in six months or this something is, like that? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just every week. <laughs> it's, oh. Are they panicking or something? Or well, no. no like, so tell us what they're doing. Uh, uh, there's this massive investor conference, I think it was called, for what is now Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Fiat has completed the deal to now fully take over Chrysler, and they are as one. They're one company. An interesting aside, their headquarters will be in... London. What? I didn't know that. The obvious place for an Italian-American company. Well, that's the thing. That's on Ascension Island. It's one of the two, isn't it? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Greenland. (laughs) Our new headquarters. One of the few specious arguments they put forward was that it is between the two centres. It's not. It's nearer to Turin. But it's not in Turin, because that would put Chrysler noses out of joint. Mm. And And if they put it in Detroit, it it would put put Italian noses out of joint. So London is where the headquarters will be and that's where their senior management will be and so on. Fair enough, if you're going to pick anywhere. Yeah. What is Alfa Romeo's latest plan this week? It was going to be part of Maserati. Oh, there was that, point. wasn't there? Yeah. The latest one. I forget what they were planning before. There was going to be an SUV at one point as well, I think, yeah, wasn't That's there? right. They mean... 
sort of the mm. m- the that meconium. Was, that was from there, <laughs> meconium. That's what it was going to be called. Well, it did stink. Uh, hey! So the new plan yes. is pinned on a new chassis, which will be rear-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, and a new range of engines. And they showed a lot of slides at this conference, and I saw some of the slides. Thank I wasn't there because it looked incredibly boring. It went on for hours by the sounds of it. Because they had to run through all the different makes. You imagine Fiat and Chrysler yeah, went through yeah. everyone. They went through Dodge and Chrysler themselves and Jeep. I mean, some of the stuff, Dodge, they're getting rid of like the Dodge Caravan, which is the Chrysler Grand Voyager. Because Dodge is going to be sort of more sporting soon. That makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. There you go. Okay. You can, yeah, if they're not selling very well, get rid. Fine. Mm-hmm. Makes it easier to distinguish the two companies. Is there going to be in a Bath Viper? Well, the Viper, and here's another thing. They've corrected another error, which is that they started doing these things. One of these things where marketing thinks they know best and better than the general public. Uh Uh-oh. The Dodge Viper. Everyone calls it the Dodge Viper, right? It's the Dodge Viper, because Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. And they said, no, it's not the Dodge Viper. It's the it's SRT. The SRT Viper, yeah. Sports Racing Technologies. What? Street Racing Technologies, isn't it? And that, it's SRT. Don't say Dodge, it's SRT. Well, everyone on the street in America, everyone around the world calls it Dodge Viper. So why fight that? People have heard of that damn car, so that's half the battle. Yep. And so they've rescinded that and they've said, right, it is going to be the Dodge Viper now. And the SRT name will go back to being the super sporty versions of other Dodges and Chrysler. So they've back Sensible. That Chalk that in the sensible column. Yep. They've also said that... There's going to be a smaller Chrysler, and then sort of be sort of 100, 200, 300C. It all makes sense. Jeep, though, they've gone nuts. They're going to have a baby Jeep that's Well, that's fine. The... It's based on the box of parts yeah. that's also underneath the Fit 500L, yeah. and it's going to be on the 500X. And the Panda 4x4, is that Well, uh, no, I don't think so, because I think it's sort of loosely related to the Punto, and oh. therefore the Vauxhall Corsa. Oh, hello. Strange and mixed up world. Anyway. I'm so confused already. As dismal as a Vauxhall Corsa, we're okay. So, in the last grand plan that Fiat Chrysler announced, yeah. they said that we want, by 2014, Jeep to be selling 800,000 cars a year. Now, they're not quite there. They've sold 700,000. So they're close. Right. not too far off. 10% not too far growth. Off. They go, okay, so okay. They're, they're, yeah, they're growing, they're growing. Yeah. It's okay. Suddenly, from nowhere, at this new event the other week, they've said, right, by 2018, we want Jeep to be selling 2 million cars. Hmm. Okay. Well, now that, to me, just sounds idiotically ambitious. Why even say that when I know they're bringing in this smaller car, the Renegade, which will mean it'll sell in greater numbers because it's cheaper. It's not going to sell in that many greater numbers. I mean, it's They would deranged. have to rename every car in the Fiat brand as a Jeep in order well, to achieve that. probably be next that. week's plan when they realise this week's all cheaper. Anyway, the Alpha thing. So one of their slides that they showed at this conference, they listed the DNA of Alpha. And it is advanced, innovative engines, because nobody else wants those. No, that's right. I mean, no one else does I remember those. I was just talking yeah. to somebody from Mercedes the other day, and they said, yeah. what we want is outdated and yeah. rather unimaginative <laughs> engines in our age. Although, to be fair to the marketing bull****, the engines is one of the things that you go to an Alpha for. Well, it is, you but know, it already uh, is. Do you know why you go to an Alpha for? Because the actual engine is good, not yeah. because someone mm. has told you that it's advanced and innovative. Mm-hmm. Sod off. Therefore. It has a proven record in racing or something. That's mm. what we buy it for. Their other DNA attributes are 50-50 weight distribution, whereas they mm. can do now if they're getting a rear-wheel drive chassis. Mm-hmm. I mean, BMW have been saying that for years, so that's not original. Unique technical solutions. Uh, what, they stop working sooner than anybody yes. else? Yeah. Yeah. You will require unique technical solutions to keep them going once the warranties expire. <laughs> now, this one really annoyed me because it's utter drivel. Uh. Class exclusive power to weight ratios. Class. I don't even understand what that means. No, Class exactly. It's meaningless. I suppose it means that their number will be unique. Right. But even if it was just one different to a BMW, that would be unique. It should be unique. So and that's not just dribble. Now, that's attribute number four right. out of five. So you get the feeling 
they're already running out of steam. Yeah. yeah. And yet, actually, number five is sort of more appealing because it's groundbreaking and distinctly Italian design. Well, no, that, well, is, well, that fair. is fair yeah. enough. No, I'm going to put like that, that number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's what yeah. you think of. The yeah. engines, and forget the drivel about them being advanced and innovative. Do you know what the internal guiding brief for Jaguar is and has been for the past few years? A sporty style or something. Fast, beautiful cars. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that is it. That's, that's all they right. say. Yeah. And it's, yeah, they go, good. yeah. All right. Good, good philosophy. Sounds like that's what you should well. be doing. Keep yeah. doing it, please. Yeah. Yeah. And they sort of stick to it. I mean, you would struggle to say that uh, an XKR is anything but a fast, beautiful car. So Absolutely. fair play to them. And that's the kind of thing you think. I think that's why Jaguar is starting to succeed, is because they cut out the bull. <laughs> and Alpha has just imported 500 metric tons of bull. Mm. Am I right yeah. in understanding that Fiat's plan, Marchioni, Marchioni? Sergio Marchioni. Sergio. Yeah. His plan is to hive off Alpha, though, to sell it. So not to run it within, to establish it as a successful Fiat brand and then sell it off to an independent, isn't mm, it? Well, he's not said that. I no. mean, it's possible that that's what he's secretly thinking. There have been rumours for years that Volkswagen were going to buy mm, Alpha. I remember, but yeah. what would they do with them? Because they had for a long time said that Seat would be the Spanish Alfa Romeo. Yes, they can't right. even get that right. I mean, really? Seat is the lost company within Volkswagen. True, group. everyone well, yeah, sort of gets yeah. Skoda now. Yeah, yeah. good value. Yeah uncomplicated, unpretentious cars. VW is um, VW, they're making sort of... And VW bringing mm. in a budget band. Well, exactly, As we yeah. said, what's say it for, you know? Well, what well, is it for? Yeah. It's just, and I thought they'd actually hit on something when they did the XAO, which is a cast-off Audi. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. say it, we, we sell you cast-off Audis. Lots of people like Audis. Yeah. Cheap, last-generation Audi. Yeah. One day they'd inherit the R8. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, but they've yeah, abandoned yeah. that now because they've stopped doing the XAO and yeah. they're plugging on with their own <laughs> which isn't very good. But in terms of bringing Alfa and VW together, I mean, if you can combine the solidity and the confidence-inspiring engineering of VW with the flair and the design of Alpha, that's a winner, surely. But I can't see VW uh, doing yes, it. Yes, but I think, I think VW sort of quashed that, I think, because of their sensibleness. Yeah, you yeah. need a bit of the erraticness. I mean, that said, VW Group and Audi, their stewardship of Lamborghini has been all right, hasn't it? Yeah, you yeah, say yeah, Lamborghini's yeah, really yeah. been crushed. I know yeah. people moan sometimes because all the buttons work now, but that's, <laughs> I mean, the, the cars, you wouldn't say they're unexciting. Anyway, really quickly, this Alpha thing's just driving me to distraction. Marchioni's been in charge of the whole group for five years now, and there have been endless new plans, it seems to me, and they've never come to anything. The 159 replacement, you know, the 159 went out mm. of production like three years ago. Mm. because they needed the factory to build the Panda in and they never replaced it Mm. and they cancelled the replacement they've cancelled it again now it's going to be rear wheel drive it's not going to be here for another couple of years just pull your finger out how hard can it be I know it's very easy to say this from a position of standing in a living room in North London but for God's sake everyone else is managing to make a fist of it you've had the time it's Mm. not like they've been doing nothing they've been wasting their time in the wrong direction Alfa Romeo of all things one of the most Uh, evocative and beautiful car names in the world and they can't figure out what they're supposed to do with it every bloody person in the world who likes cars know what to do with Alfa Romeo which is exactly what Jaguar are doing fast beautiful cars it's not that complicated everything else is flim flam the truth is it's been a long time since we've had a truly great Alfa Romeo yes and the Alfa Romeos that people buy with their hearts now were the Alfa Romeos that won Grand Prix in the 1950s or or were in motor racing in the 80s or the Alfa 75 possibly the last truly great Alfa Romeo and it hasn't looked good since then. I don't believe that motorsport necessarily sells cars, and I think Alpha would be wasting their time if they did that. They admitted in this thing that they've wasted their opportunities when they were good at motorsport, but I wouldn't spend the money on that. I would just spend the money on making cars that look amazing. That's all they need to do to start with, amazing, and that drive well and make a beautiful noise, and that are a little bit different. I mean, like Lamborghini, Alpha is a road car brand. It has enough appeal 
in the brand to the car enthusiast. Motorsport doesn't matter, I agree. And I think they're they can, one of the you know, single least knobby car brands in the world. Everyone would be very proud to go, what do you drive? I've got an Alfa Romeo. And people immediately go, oh, you're a little bit more interesting than I thought. But, yes, to our generation, you ask someone 10 years younger than us, they ain't got a clue. Well, then, that's the fault of Alfa Romeo. And we're back to square one. Exactly. Ah, yuck. That was a great grand night last night. I bet. A great grand night. Having it proper hard, Marushi style and that. I tell you what, though, mate. Ain't a pint expensive in Monaco and that. Aye. Nine euros. Cheeky buggers. Thieving Monte Carlo buggers. Mind it were worth it to celebrate us first points at Marussia. Aye, show us them points again. I just want to look at him. Oh, bugger. What? Promise you won't be cross at us. What have you done? What have you done with our points? I was a bit hungry on way home to hotel. And? I swapped him for a kebab. You daft bloody wazzock! Step Petrol! We Gareth Jones on speed! Staying with the topic of the motor industry, I noticed that Ford got a new manager, or chief of operations, Mark Fields, replacing Alan Mullally. Is that his name? Mm. Alan Mullally? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Thomas Mullally, the alley cat. No, that's someone else. Neil Malarkey. Not him either, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that has been mooted for Ford is, apart from this one Ford, one Ford, I always think of Bob Marley when I hear that, one Ford. Wanford sounds like a village in Devon, though. So. <laughs> we live in Wanford. Yeah, Fiesta's everywhere. Transits. The One Ford program is now going into growth, where rather than contraction, remember Ford sold off their entire Premier Automotive Group. They sold off Mazda. Actually, they didn't sell off Mazda. They just gave it back, didn't they? They sold mm. off VW. They sold, sold off, off VW. Sorry, not what? VW. <laughs> they sold off one. Volvo. Thank yes, you, yes. And they got rid of Jaguar and Land Rover. Yep. And yeah. that's why whenever you walk past Dearborn, you hear a sound of people kicking their back. Yeah. I wish we hadn't sold. <laughs> they should have kept Range Rover and sold Land Rover. That's what I think. Well, yes. Do you know what? I think this is a classic example of a big corporation being unable to manage a smaller company. Mm. See also mm. GM and Saab. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And yeah, to yeah, actually, yeah, to some yeah. degree, see also Fiat Ford. and Alfa Romeo, as yeah, it turns exactly. out. Or Fiat, I was going to yep. mention this before, yep. but something heartbreaking for you, Gareth, is that as part of that Fiat conference, Lance is essentially dead they're only going to sell cars in Italy for that's now, right and I they'll just that. be rebadged other things do you know what pa- <laughs> yeah. part of me thinks that that could be a mercy killing because yeah. you know rebadging Chrysler as Lancia's I'd perhaps would rather see the brand dead and remember for what it was than becoming a ghost of someone else you know but it's tricky isn't it how does a company like Lancia you know a small medium sized car company survive in the modern era because I think you need in some way to be part of a big group unless you are doing something that's so left field Mm. that you're not quite part of the same ecosystem if you're Morgan you can do your own mm, thing. Agree, uh, yeah. Yeah. But if you're a launcher, you need to be involved with a bigger group of companies to get the right economies of scale that you can really compete. But you need to be able to then do those interesting things. So maybe, I don't know, launcher becomes the company that does 
performance hybrid cars, or maybe mm-hmm. Lancia is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But they've got to do something mm-hmm. with it. They've got to go back to. They've got to, to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've got to go back to their own IP. Look back at what it is they were great at, which was sort of a sporting luxury, really. Alfa's more sporting. Lancia was more luxurious. Yeah. Lancia also had technical innovation, though, didn't they? I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
No one's going to buy it. There's a bit of a blind spot, I think, in a lot of American car companies for just the way the European market reacts to a lot of those American cars and American mm. products. I'm not sure that they get how little some of those brands mean to most people in Europe. In Europe, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. how yeah. the cars just look a little bit wrong, and yeah. if the quality isn't quite there, they're a little bit cheap and flimsy. And it, it just... It's baffling, though, isn't it? Because American stuff infests every part of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we all buy American technology brands. We all go mm-hmm. and have American coffees and buy American clothes from places like Gap and Banana Republic and whatever. And, and a lot of TV and, and film and a lot of yeah. music that we consume. Yeah, people have Motorola. I've got a yeah. Motorola baby monitor I just bought and things like that. I've got a Magnavox television and I drive an AMC. Neither of those <laughs> things are true. <laughs> you have got an International Harvester refrigerator, though. I certainly you? have. Like on Friends. <laughs> and we, yeah, we watch a lot of American TV. We watch almost exclusively American movies, I would say, as a yeah. percentage-wise, and we listen to all this sort of stuff. And yet American cars are the one thing that have signally failed to make any real inroad into Europe. Mm. I mean, yes, Ford and GM are American firms. A Gap t-shirt that you would buy in New York is the same one you would buy in the UK. Mm. And the same would go for any amount of consumer drawers. An iPhone is the same the world over. Mm. Mm. A Bruce Springsteen record is the same the world over. And so on. The next Iron Man no, film. I believe I Bruce Springsteen is a franchise. Is he? There's a Japanese Irish guy who does it over here. He's really good. On a geeky music note, you will both be well aware that, that if you go to the trouble, you will find versions in the local languages of all, yes. of all though, yeah, the yeah, artists yeah, yeah, that you yeah, love. Yeah. So various foreign language versions of assorted Blondie and Crawford. Yes. Because mm-hmm. some of those foreign language versions are better than the English but language versions. Here's the thing. European cars used to be like local language versions of American cars. Vauxhall right, right, Cresters and Mark III Cortinas. Thank you. They were just taking all the influences because American car yep. design used to be so glamorous and yep. exciting. Yep. And mm. that's the point at which it let go. But American cars themselves were too big to work in Europe. It, exactly. Yeah. American cars got smaller, that, that, but they also got more drab. Th- this was mm. the point I was going to make before you said exactly that. The, the value of an American brand in Europe is only as a brand. And you're exactly right. The car itself needs to be adapted for the market now VW work the other way they make a world car that truly is a world car but it started with a Beetle you disagree well they make a Passat that's local to the US now because they realise the Euro Passat is slightly too small and then their Jetta is bigger than our Jetta is it? yeah there's the new medium sedan the new large sedan was what they were coded as and they're simpler as well because their Jetta all their Jettas have a beam axle at the back we have the option of an independent back end on the higher more powerful models but But you're dead right that the Fords of Europe that established Ford between the 30s and the 70s Ford's heyday Hmm. were Europeanised three quarter scale versions of the American cars Mm. which worked therefore you're not going to be able to sell a Cadillac and Lincoln in Europe unless it's like GM did with the Cadillac BLS which is basically a rebadged Saab, yeah. where you take the culture of a Cadillac and strap it onto a car which does well in that mm, neighbourhood. Mm. <sighs> Difficult times ahead for American industries. I, I just think Cadillac, the one thing about in Europe at least is people have heard of them. Mm. They, don't, they, they might necessarily think of a 50s car with fins, but mm-hmm. at least mm. they've heard of it. You can't imagine going to somebody at a drinks party and they're going, so what do you drive? Uh, Lincoln. No, 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 mm. what, not where you're from. I yeah. said, what do you drive? <laughs> it's just, it doesn't have any other resonance in this country. It's not even on the radar. But you talk about difficult times ahead for American car companies. I wonder if a factory in how well that will go is going to be just what kind of technologies are most important in the next couple of decades because we're going to see things like self-driving 
mm-hmm. technology, the ability of a car to drive itself, becoming more important. I'm not saying that in 10 years' time all the cars are going to be driving themselves and we're not going to be doing anything. Absolutely not. But this technology is going to be coming in over the next couple of days. Well, it, it's and funny, sorry. <laughs> you well, both going yeah. to jump in there. Well, Go I on, you say, first, I quickly. It's funny you should mention new technology. I think the next big American car arrival in Europe that will actually make some headway and become well-known is Tesla. And I reckon the car brand to save the entire industry in the next 50 years, Bristol. (laughs) And (laughs) not where you're from. And Google is going to have a hand in this as well. (laughs) Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending this press conference. Now, no shilly-shallying, we at Bristol Motors have invited you here to announce our new and highly futuristic battery-powered model. Simply pop 47,000 AA-sized batteries in here, and Robert is your father's brother. But that's not all. Thanks to our highly advanced cooperation with the Google Corporation of the Colonies, this car can provide you with answers to anything your heart desires. Simply write your question on a piece of paper, attach it to the pigeon, and within two or three days you'll have your answer. Weather permitting, of course. And coming soon from the Bristol Motor Company, a brand new database on our entire range of motoring cars, which we call Wikipedia. No, it really is made of wicker. Enough talk about the motor industry for one moment, although rather like question time, when we go off air, this conversation will continue here and we talk about the industry. industry. Let's talk about motorsport for a minute, but not Formula One, because we've served that pretty well recently. The other big one at the moment is the World Endurance Championship, although just how big that is, I'm not sure. I watched the Spa race recently, not many people there. I watched the Silverstone race, not many people there. I think there's probably people watching it on television, but it doesn't seem to have the support. You expect it to have healthy support, not Formula One levels, but it doesn't even seem to have this healthy support at the moment. There's we- nothing more depressing than a very big racetrack with not many people at yeah, it. Because yeah, yeah, if you go yeah, to somewhere yeah, like Cadwell yeah. Park and watch a club event, the venue is scaled to exactly a that. sort of yeah. crowd, to medium yeah, crowd, yeah, yeah, and it yeah, feels yeah. quite busy and it's nice and yeah. there's a buzz to the air. Yeah. But you go to Silverstone when it's just a small thing or there's an underpopulated crowd there, it's really and miserable. The sound of the speakers yeah, in it's the distance is just it's a bit just, awful. Mm. But how can that be because you know we go to Le Mans Le Mans is utterly oversubscribed quarter of a million people are there about and it's full to the brim essentially the WEC is taking Le Mans and turning it into a series in a way that the LMS managed reasonably successfully so how come people aren't going is it the race is too long it's unattractive to most people as somebody who has been to a lot of those races Mm. I I, I think you would agree that in a sense Le Mans is just one of the races in that season you know it's the same bunch of cars Mm. with a few changes here and there Same kind of endurance race, but Le Mans is something special. If you're going to go to one race out of all the races of the season, no question, 
for me, mm. that's the one you go to. Mm. Yeah. It's the most exciting, it's the best. In so the WEC, they get double points for Le Mans. They do, it's a 24 yeah. hour race. I think it should be triple points. It's such a prestige, big, hard one to win compared to the six hours of the others. Mm. I think it should get triple points. But in terms of a race this year, Le Mans as a race is going to be the best race we've had in years this year, isn't it? Because Potentially. I mean, Porsche are there, which I'm sure makes you very happy. It does make me, I'm very excited. And suddenly, Toyota are profoundly competitive. They got a one and two at Silverstone, and they won at Spa. Yeah, they were one and three at Spa, weren't they? They were first and Thank first you. And yeah. first and I reckon the reason for this is not necessarily Toyota's performance. I think it's the new regulations which have reduced the size of the fuel tank and the air intake on the diesels, which means Audi can't perform like they used to. Another thing I think is going on here is that Toyota have hit the right point in their development cycle. Mm -hmm. When you come into endurance racing, if you're trying to win Le Mans, famously, you never do it first year. You can't come straight in as a new team with a new Mm -hmm. car and win. That's never going to happen. It's going to take you at least two or three years before you're at the point where you can expect to compete for the win. Toyota are at the right point. They've been doing it for long enough now that they've been developing as a team and they've been developing their car, or cars, because obviously it's a new one this year, but they're at the right point in their cycle. And they've clearly done a solid job with developing that car, and we've seen the results. First and second, first and third. Porsche have got a great car by the looks of it, but it's fragile and they're still a bit too early on in that yep. process of development. Yeah, immature so, you know, development. Stage. Much as I'd love to see them win this year, I don't think they're going to do it. And Audi are just suddenly looking vulnerable in a way that they haven't for, yeah, for yeah. a while. You know, they've, yeah. though for years now they've been such a formidable machine. They just get it right. They don't screw up. And they've got a good car. I think this, this time, they don't seem to have the car quite sorted, and they're not as invulnerable mm-hmm. as... The last time Audi were beaten at Le Mans was by Peugeot, and if I remember right, that was Peugeot's third year at Le Mans. Yeah, but they had that arc. I think that's about right. Mm. You wouldn't bet against Audi, though? No, so I, just, the thing, I just wonder whether... Okay, this year I would. They're okay, not going is, to go... I mean, it's well, not you know easy, what? but... It's not going so well, is it? Just... Let's just throttle back. I mean, yeah, let's Le Mans, home, it's really. not. I mean, yeah. yes, it seems like that's what Ferrari are doing in F1 at the moment. Oh, we're not going to anything there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, I wouldn't completely bet against Audi, but I would probably have a flutter on Toyota if I was going to. That's what I'm thinking. Bet yeah. anything. That's what I'm thinking. So, supercapacitors beat kinetic energy recurring. Porsche have batteries as well, I believe. They were using a flywheel in the. GT3 RSR, and they were using it in the 918 uh, hybrid, but the WEC car is batteries. Do you know what I'd do? I'd have both. I'd have a flywheel that was actually a battery. I would use it to store electrical energy and kinetic energy by having a walking great battery spinning round. Now, that would be an interesting way of doing it. And it would be spinning on a central axle, what would you call it, the rotor... Uh, which was actually a supercapacitor. The Audi has the flywheel accumulator built in conjunction with Williams. Exhaust heat recovery. Yeah, separate uh, system using... Uh, Porsche have this weird V4 engine. I know. It does, yeah, turbo V4. Wow. Which they borrowed from a Saab 96, I believe. Oh, was, <laughs> I, see, I thought it was from a Ford console. It's really rough. <laughs> Same engine. Same engine. It was, wasn't it? So, yeah. genuine thing. Mm. I haven't got to the bottom of whether this is a V4, because sometimes... 
Porsche flat sixes are referred to as a V6. It's a yeah. flattened V6 because of the firing. But order. it has 180 degrees. Yes, right. So okay. Is the engine <laughs> in the 919 racing car really a V4, like in an old Saab, or is it or a flat four? Is it a flat four? Because in marketing terms, you'd sort of think, well, if you could, boys, make it a flat, because yeah. they're going to yeah. put a flat four in the Boxster and the Cayman. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, it mm. is a V, as far as I understand. Mm. And the reason for that, I, is I because think, because you're of right. space. I think it is a V. Because oh, they wanted to get okay. stuff in underneath and in the gap in the middle as well whereas a boxer doesn't allow you to do that yeah. but from what I remember I reading initially the Williams flywheel yeah. the flywheel uh, flywheel flywheel, which the Audi is using I don't think it's actually owned by Williams anymore I think they sold off the hybrid power bit oh well you see I heard the so factory just came loose with its mountings and flew away to someone else's <laughs> It may still be called Williams Hybrid, hybrid yeah. Power or something, but I don't think the Williams F1 team owns it anymore. It's not part of the same thing. Fairly recently that they did sell that, but I do yeah, like the idea of this. It's the factory's gone again, sir. Oh, well, I'll leave it. We'll it's never, B&Q's we'll, problem now we'll, we'll never find it this time so ah. get, ah. well we'll find out when we all appear it's at the bottom we're going Z aren't we this we year? are we're yeah going. Richard not confirmed just yet may or may not happen no I've just found a cutaway of the 918's powertrain that. that's, that's well, actually, a V is that a V is the other bit of the engine there 919 I guess it must be that's the 919 yeah that's the 919 that is it it's quite a V isn't it if you're listening to this, do come around here and have a look at my laptop with us because we're staring <laughs> at the screen. That. But that's quite cool, isn't it? That's really compact, though, I think, isn't it? That yeah. looks pretty. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Packaging. Yeah. Sorry, you're not watching Gareth Jones on speed. You are listening to it whilst we're watching the pictures on Richard's laptop. I do laptop. love a cutaway, though. I found a beautiful cutaway the other day of a Boeing 747, and I'm just working up the courage to ask my wife if I can print it out and have it framed because I think <laughs> it's. Oh. I bloody love a cutaway. I found the best cutaways the other day. There's a whole series of cutaways of nuclear power stations yes I saw that, that <laughs> and again I thought I'd where? love to frame those but the thing where, is, gives where did of- you see this nuclear power station magazine okay you, no, j- you joke about it monthly, but yeah, yes that, that they were scanned from a nuclear power magazine really <laughs> 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 they used to publish them every month that's true but then so those actually, beautiful old sort of 60s 70s style cutaways all lovely oh, hand drawn yeah and I, was like, I could cheerfully and cover so my entire detail. house with framed cutaways but I yeah. suspect that Mrs Porter might go no could we have some normal pictures please you weirdo yeah. I don't want to look at the inner workings of a lift Ooh, yeah. they were on Gizmodo gizmodo.com have a look alright um, well yeah, when I'm not making this programme I'll have a look there you've been listening to Zog goodbye and Richard goodbye and I was Gareth see you for another Gareth Jones on Speed soon but we're going to leave you with a tune because it's been a while since we had a tune so here's one I've written and recorded in the style of the Stranglers or in our case the Wranglers considering we were talking about Chrysler Jeep earlier on and this is about how difficult it is to race from the back of the grid this is the back of the pack see ya
get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!